You're listening to Ember Weekend, your weekend recap of all things Ember. This is episode 48. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson, and we're here to keep you in the Ember Run Loop. We're broadcasting from Hashtag at HQ, and today's episode is called Whack a Hamster. If you missed that, you'll uh, you'll get the reference later. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Unless we do a really bad job. <laughs> right. Uh, we really have to explain this concurrency thing well. We should just both start talking at the same time. Oh, yeah, like there's concurrency problems? Like, yeah. Who's talking first? Yeah, exactly. So the first thing we want to talk about is uh, a podcast called uh, Hansel Minutes, uh, which uh, is kind of cool. Uh, he actually uh, interviews a very wide range of people in different fields and and uh, and and the like. And most recently, he interviewed Lauren Tan, uh, Sugar Pirate, uh, and it was a really interesting uh, uh, podcast. Uh, so he doesn't have a, a huge um, background in Ember or. Uh, a lot of uh, deep Ember knowledge, so it was it was a lot of uh, Lauren really explaining kind of why Ember is powerful and where it's being used, and uh, and you know the main kind of tenets of Ember, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, there was a there was a lot of times where I guess he had some some notion of what Ember was, or you know how how active Ember was as a community, and um, and she was able to you know explain how you know how Ember worked at, at its core level, like how add-ons worked, how composability worked in Ember. And, and I, I thought it was interesting, you know, somebody coming from his background, which was, I guess, mostly .NET with a little bit of JavaScript um, to, to, you know, see Ember as this nice, you know, opinionated framework that's kind of fully fleshed out. Um, because one of the things he kept bringing up was the kind of the wild west of JavaScript. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think basically he's just uh, talking about you know all the hype fatigue things that we keep seeing, um, and really, I don't think those those necessarily apply to Ember as much. Because um, I don't know, like Godfrey Chan's talk about it being the antidote to hype fatigue. I think that that's kind of true. Um, but yeah, I, he he mentions uh, a lot of the ecosystem problems uh, in JavaScript as a whole, and uh, Lauren was able to give really great answers and responses to explain how Ember kind of distinguishes itself in a saturated market. They talk about uh, Glimmer and uh, and the replacing of the old rendering engine with Glimmer, and uh, and even eventually they talk briefly about Glimmer two. Um, and during the the talk about the transition period, um, Hanselman came up with a, um, a a little analogy. He said uh, it's kind of like you know a doctor pulling out an organ and replacing it uh, with no one being the wiser, and that's kind of how the Glimmer engine was put in. Uh, and I thought that was a pretty interesting thing. I think what were you saying? You were saying it's how you would explain that. <laughs> yeah, it's like how I'd explain it to my to my mom or my grandparents, like what I do, like when I when I try to explain a task. And I, and I think this is like as part of his podcast because he doesn't just interview you know uh, people in JavaScript. He doesn't just interview people in web or just in technology. It's like everybody. He's got um, you know doctors and things like that. He interviews and uh, ac- uh, I think one of them was like a, a comic artist. So, there, you know, there's just a wide range of people. So he really, it seems like he's trying to like distill it down to like, uh, you know, a common uh, metaphor. Yeah, definitely something that's more approachable. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool. Um, and they briefly touched on things like TypeScript and how that's being used um, in the, in Glimmer 2. And then, uh, you know, he also talked about uh, concerns with uh, broccoli being used as a, as a build primitive in Ember CLI. And Lauren was able to really explain that decision and also like... You know, it's modular, so you could theoretically replace it. And then also, 
you know the it is a, it is a safe bet because it's being backed by uh, Ember Core. So um, I don't know. It was a really great interview. It was really uh, great to hear what Lauren had to say about the Ember ecosystem. All in all, it's really fun. Really fun listen. Yeah. So check it out. So the next thing up is also something from Lauren Tan at Darkyard, uh, and also Martin Demas. And, um, and it's actually under the Dockyard flag, I believe. Right. And I'm, and I'm sure there's a lot of other, um, you know, people helping with this, as there are usually with these Dockyard uh, add-ons. Uh, and this one is a, uh, this one's called Ember Composable Helpers. And so what this is, is a kind of a set a set of helpers. Think of kind of like the logic helpers of like less than, greater than. But these are more like to do specifically with composing things. So you're trying to, um, sh- you know, string together some kind of behavior or other templates um, to kind of take less of the, um, to kind of take some of the logic out of the JavaScript and put it into the template, but do it in a way that is readable. Because uh, I know I've seen some examples of, you know, using logic operators in templates where, you know, you're like, okay, do I not first and then or, and then what's the rule here? I have to, you know, inver- invert the not. Um, and so these are more like operations to take. Um, they have things like compute and pipe. Yeah, and uh, and this this is really cool to see um, for a number of reasons. One, it, it allows you to be a little bit more declarative in your uh, templates, um, be a little bit more explicit. So when you open up that template file, you really know what's going on, uh, and you don't have to worry about uh, computed properties uh, kind of lying to you, for instance. Um, and it has helpers, uh, something kind of as basic as a string helper, like capitalize or camelize. Sometimes those are just you know really nice things that you know, you kind of want in your back pocket, like, oh, yeah, I want to capitalize this one. Um, but, you know, my server gave it to me, um, you know, underscored or something like that. And I don't really, I don't really care about that. But I, I don't want to have it represented in two ways. I just want to have a template helper. So there's a couple of nice, easy ones, like, like string helpers like that. And then the action helpers, like you were mentioning, uh, Chase, with compute and pipe. Um, I think there's one other one. But uh, for instance, compute will literally just it allows you, allows you to pass an action to the compute helper, and it'll just compute it right there, and then and then bind that. Uh, so that was really cool. And then pipe is really cool. And the example they have for pipe is basically a checkout process, but it's one line, and it's just action, and then in paren, uh, pipe, and then space, uh, add to cart, purchase, redirect to thank you page, and then the actual item. Uh, so you just click that button, and the item will be passed to add cart. And then the result of add to cart would be passed to purchase. And then the result of that would be passed to uh, redirect to thank you page. And I think that's a really cool like way to think about um, like programming in general. It's something that uh, is, this is probably inspired by Elixir's pipeline operator um, because I know the dockyard people are, are heavily invested in, in uh, Elixir and Phoenix. Um, but this is a very cool way to think about it as kind of a transform pipeline uh, and and it really does read very well. Um, there, you can imagine that these these actions, these individual actions, wouldn't have uh, to know much about the rest of the system because they're being past the result of the previous actions. So uh, it's really kind of a functional approach to to dealing with it. So I really enjoy the pipe uh, operator. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, all in all, this is a great helper, similar to what you'd expect from something coming out of Dockyard. Uh, you see, uh, obviously problems that people were trying to solve were like, oh yeah, I can just throw this helper in there. Um, I know that there's like, uh, each commit is like add X helper, X add Y helper, add Z helper. And it's probably like, oh, I ran into this problem. I'm using this add-on. I'm just going to put it there. And then, you know, that'll be available for other people. Uh, and one of the cool things about this at the very top of the readme, they explain that it does some tree shaking. So you can actually say, I only want to include these helpers and I would like, or I would like to exclude these, these helpers. So you only need, you only need to include the helpers that you actually use. 
um, rather than bring bring the whole the whole thing with you. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. All in all, it's a really uh, interesting uh, library that I think um, is going to bring a lot of value. Uh, and it's kind of like just just add it in and you'll find what you need to use. And then right before you ship it off to production, you just make sure you only include the helpers that are being used in your project. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, so the uh, so the next thing is, uh, and this is something we mentioned in a, a few episodes back, uh, uh, talking about the LTS uh, RFC, um, and that is now live. Uh, 2.4 was released, I want to say the 26th. Uh, I'm not 100% certain if it was the 26th or 27th. Um, oh, it was, it was the 26th. Um, and that brings about a much longer release uh, process for LTS, and it has to do with specifically with a thing that the core team is referring to as the intimate APIs, which are private, but it's kind of known that some add-ons will end up kind of tying into them. Uh, they're probably li- they're likely going to be brought over into uh, into the public domain via public API uh, or something like that. And this really basically gives you guarantees that that those things will not be removed or really fiddled with until um, until they've been deprecated in a previous LTS. And that, that kind of gives you the security, especially for larger clients, to have the confidence that when I invest all this time uh, getting to 2.4, um, I know that I'm going to be good pushing business stuff out the door uh, for... Uh, six months, I believe, is the is the release uh, process for the the next LTS. So for six months, I'm going to have confidence that I don't really need to invest time in upgrading. And then right before the six months is up, I can say, okay, well now now right before the next LTS, we have these clear paths to take. We can schedule out our our upgrade path, and just kind of be a little bit more like slower moving, so that so that you can get processes in place around it. And this, uh, you know, the the release process is is really good in Ember and has been for a long time. Um, but this is just for maybe a little bit more process-driven, enterprise style clients. Um, and I think that it's it's going to be a super huge sell. Uh, I know personally, when I'm trying to pitch Ember for a project, um, usually stability is like the number one thing I say. I'm, I'm like, yeah, if you build this, I know we're going to get guarantees of some for. Um, so this is kind of just more of that, uh, more uh, promises that, we're going to have uh, stability as the the key um, for this framework. So not only are you going to get the productivity out the box and you're going to be able to use people's add-ons and you're going to be able to leverage the ecosystem, um, you're also going to get guarantees that there's going to be help getting you to the finish line and you're not going to run into weird um, private API changes that you know may have been necessary without some some forewarning. So it's pretty cool. I, I think it's, uh, it's a huge win um, for the entire ecosystem. So this last Thursday, Ember NYC hosted uh, a few great talks, and one of them was Ember Concurrency by Alex Machinier, which we've talked about extensively over the last, I don't know, like four weeks? Well, yeah, and rightfully so. Like, uh, we, we always are consistently surprised by like what this is doing. We're like, oh, yeah, that looks kind of cool. And then every time I learn something more about it, I'm like, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use the mess out of that. That is super cool. Um, <laughs> and this presentation was amazing. Yeah, I, I, this is probably the maybe second or third time I've seen somebody make an Ember app as their presentation, and it's always just, it, it's so nice. And uh, in this one specifically, um, because there were so many concurrent things going on with these animations of text rolling in, it actually under the hood was using the tasks from Ember Concurrency to get all the effects done. Um, so that was also really interesting. It, you know, kind of serves two purposes. You get a really good example of how to use the add-on, and you also get like a really nice presentation, and it's really interactive, so it explains it also serves as like documentation, so it was a good idea. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And and the primitives here are task and perform. And he was able to show uh, some really great examples of like how this could be used for like l- like everyday uh, use cases. So I, I think uh, he he even kind of had this comment, and it's and it's I, I totally understand it. Um, he had this comment uh, where he was basically saying, I was showing this to people and they were basically saying, oh, that's cool, but I don't ever use that. And then he shows like cases where you would obviously want to use something that is cancelable um, that are just super common, like an increment decrementer that uh, that scales up. Um, I want to say the XHR request for a type ahead, uh, things like that. And you're like, oh yeah, duh. Like, why did I not think of that uh, use case? Uh, and he was showing how, you know, before Ember Concurrency, you had to use all these uh, this boilerplate code to make sure that it cleaned up. It cleaned up after itself, and it was still kind of hit or miss. Like certain instances, you just couldn't do correctly, or if you did, you had to know a lot of tricks and you had to know a lot of uh, weird things. Like, you know, you need to tack if you want it to be enqueued so that nothing happens more than once. You have to tack a promise on to a, a, a top-level promise and keep doing that every time you add an action, so they always happen in order. Um, but there's no way to cancel that, so. Um, there's a lot of really interesting uh, insight into uh, asynchronous programming, and I think Ember Concurrency is going to end up being you know, this huge win for um, for the entire ecosystem. Because I, I feel like nowhere else do I see this kind of like primitive uh, that is going to allow you to do such cool stuff. I mean, it's not promises don't implement uh, cancel and uh, things like observables. They don't they don't really handle it very well. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited to see just like how the how the ecosystem is able to kind of absorb that, and then and then not only that, but to be able to make it installable via an add-on is super cool. Yeah, and uh, you know this right now this is specific to Ember, but um uh, by the sounds sound of it, it uh, he was saying that you know this was kind of like a solution that could be used other places um, because there's nothing other than the fact that it's using RSVP promises. Um, if you use native promises, you could get the same effect of those. Uh, they use generators for functions, so you'd have to have you know, some ES6 um, transpile step, but um, but you could potentially use this in other places. So it'd be nice to see this pulled out into something, you know, separate from Ember and used everywhere. Because, you know, you're right, there there isn't cancel for promise. And, and it's not just that it's not there. It's like the there's arguments about whether it should be there at all. And the implementation is like not, not agreed on, not going to be around for the foreseeable future. So um, this is a nice way forward. Definitely, definitely. I'm really excited to see where it, where it ends up. I, I definitely encourage you to, to play around with it, though, especially the presentation. Just download it, click the buttons. It's really, really cool. And then, you know, obviously watch the YouTube video that we'll link to. Um, I think this is going to be one of the more powerful add-ons that we see um, in the next few months. So uh, definitely get on it and, and check it out. Right. And if you if you check out the live demo, you'll see where the episode title comes from. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's subtle subtle chase. <laughs> yeah, like that's about as obvious as you could possibly be, right? Uh, yeah, whack a hamster, which actually somebody should make into a game. So, actually, yeah, Tom, Tom Dale, I think mentioned that, right? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Someone needs yeah. to make it into an actual whack a mole game. Uh, oh, no, actually, no. It was Taras. Taras was the one. Like somebody really needs to make that into. Oh a game. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know this right now. This is specific to Ember, but um. Uh, by the sounds sound of it, it uh, he was saying that you know this was kind of like a solution that could be used other places um, because there's nothing other than the fact that it's using RSVP promises. Um, if you use native promises, you could get the same effect of those. Uh, they use generators for functions, so you'd have to have you know some ES6 um, transpile step, but um, but you could potentially use this in other places. So it'd be nice to see this pulled out into something you know separate from Ember and used everywhere because 
you know, you're right there. There isn't cancel for promise. And, and it's not just that it's not there. It's like the there's arguments about whether it should be there at all. And the implementation is like not not agreed on, not going to be around for the foreseeable future. So um, this is a nice way forward. Definitely. Definitely. I'm really excited to see where it, where it ends up. I, I definitely encourage you to, to play around with it, though, especially the presentation. Just download it. Click the buttons. It's really, really cool. And then, you know, obviously watch the YouTube video that we'll link to. Um, I think this is going to be one of the more powerful add-ons that we see um, in the next few months. So uh, definitely get on it and, and check it out. Right. And if you if you check out the live demo, you'll see where the episode title comes from. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's subtle, subtle chase. <laughs> yeah, like that's about as obvious as you could possibly be. Right. Uh, yeah. Whack a hamster, which actually somebody should make into a game. So actually, yeah, Tom, Tom Dale, I think, mentioned that, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Someone needs yeah. to make it into an actual whack-a-mole game. Uh, oh, no, actually, no, it was Taras. Taras was the one. Like somebody really needs to make that. into. Oh, a game. yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So speaking of Tom Dale, uh, the Global Ember Meetup this week featured him uh, giving a, a talk on Fastboot. And uh, Taras, uh, who is organizing Global Ember Meetup, actually asked Tom Dale to make this into kind of a code-driven talk. So uh, there was a lot of Fastboot stuff that uh, has obviously been a uh, backstory in a lot of uh, Tom Dale's uh, recent Fastboot uh, talks uh, that he goes through at the very beginning. And then he went into the actual implementation of, I think, kind of, uh, service level, but uh, for for somebody who's an author or something like that, but but kind of technical, like it really dives into a lot of the you know uh, instantiating of applications and uh, and how all this stuff is working. So it was a really interesting talk because of how technical it got. So I was really excited to see that. Right, like he went into you know things that that I hadn't thought of, like uh, security concerns around someone you know being able to somehow inject code into your server and execute JavaScript in the, the node environment your server is running in and, uh, and how they use this sandbox structure so that like there's a limit. They know exactly what could happen if you had the full ability to execute JavaScript there. And, you know, these are things they've already thought about and that, you know, luckily you don't have to. Um, so there's a lot of work uh, they've been doing on this. Like uh, Tom Dale mentioned, they have a uh, simple script that'll like spin up a, uh, an, I guess it's an EC2 instance. It's like uh, Elastic Beanstalk. Um, and it's a it's a really simple script. I saw it run uh, in like no time. Uh, apparently, well, he he, uh, <laughs> he super edited it. He said it, it took him ten minutes to do. But yeah, right. But because of the magic of a video, it was like instant. But uh, you know, I, I've seen I've seen what this is capable of, and it's uh, you know, we're really looking forward to using something like this on Ember Weekend. So uh, you know, hopefully yeah, especially soon. especially with open graph tags, um, it's something that uh, Paul Elliott has been talking about recently on Twitter. Uh, is basically open graph tags don't work um, without Fastboot uh, on an Ember app. So, um, so this is this is one of those things that's kind of necessary. And I think that uh, Paul was actually get it was able to get it running. I don't know. That's pretty right. exciting. And 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 uh, Stanley Stewart also put together a, uh, a Fastboot demo of the doc site, the Ember JS doc site. Um, so that was pretty neat. I, I I like seeing how it's going. I think that we're really close to it being something that that's going to be really low hanging fruit for. Uh, like low low hanging wins, I guess for uh, for Ember teams. Right, and uh, another great thing about this talk was that the uh, I guess due to the format of it being you know this this webinar, um, at the end when he asked for questions, everybody just blasted a ton of questions, and uh, and Taras was able to like go down the line, and I, I I think this is the most questions I've ever heard answered after a talk. Like there was like a big chunk of the time was actually him just answering very specific technical questions about 
fast food. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy it. So there were certain ones, like uh, I think you asked one where it was basically, uh, is there a way for you to um, pass or, or to build polyfills differently for fast boot dist and for the browser dist so that you don't end up shipping uh, unnecessary code to either one? Uh, and, and he actually had to answer that. And that was kind of cool. Like he, he spent a few sentences answering that. But the best questions were the ones where he's just like, yes. Like, does that support SVG? <laughs> he's like, yeah. Or like, and then and then it was just like that was it. It's like okay, cool. That's a really cool response. Thank you. Um, right. I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, but yeah, there was tons of questions. Uh, I believe that's recorded too. Like the whole thing is recorded, I believe. And uh, Tom Dale uh, did a local recording too, which is kind of the the pattern for the Global Ember meetups, um, so that the presenter actually records. So this will likely be up online um, in the next few days, and I would definitely recommend checking it out because of. Um, you know, like I said, how detail oriented it was. Even if even if you're not necessarily looking to contribute into Fastboot and you're only going to consume it, it's still really cool to see how much is going into it and and kind of how simple it is. Like, uh, in principle, anyways, it's pretty simple. Uh, I know, I know, in practice, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of things between here and there, but it was still pretty cool. Right, and uh, also uh, speaking of you know helping to contribute, uh, Tom Dale actually uh, put up a link in his slides. Uh, they have a issue up. Um, and they're trying to work through these last things they need for Fastboot. So uh, if you want a quick way to get there, um, you can go to bit-ly, so bit.ly slash help-finish-fastboot, or you can just check it out in our in our notes. Um, and that basically just goes to the same issue uh, we put up a few weeks ago, but there's a lot more checkboxes on this thing now, and a lot of them are checked off. Um, but some of, the, you know, some of the issues are not super complicated. They're just, you know, a little time-consuming or, you know, they're, you know, designed for somebody to, you know, come in and help them. So um, they don't look like too much to, you know, to take on. Yeah, I, I think this is a this is really a good way to get involved. Even if you're just helping with the thought process, um, there are going to be a bunch of uh, edge cases that, you know, people who are really intru- into, uh, like, getting commits on to Fastboot, um, they might not see because they don't have, you know, your breadth of experience. Uh, so, I mean, even if you if you want to dive in head, headlong, this is a great place to start. But even if you want to just start getting familiar with what's going on and what's happening and asking questions and making sure your use case is known, um, it's a, it's definitely a good place to work. I think it's a fast boot issue number 98, um, but we'll get we'll get a link to it for sure. And there's the bit.ly link that Chase mentioned earlier, too. So, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. Ember fast boot. Thanks for listening every weekend. If you'd like to follow along, visit us at emberweekend.com. Or you can find us at Ember Weekend, all one word, on Twitter. Or subscribe via RSS. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next weekend.